Hello and welcome to In Stitches, the upholstery podcast for upholsterers telling your story and inspiring others. I'm delighted to welcome today uh, a man who's, who's written a fantastic book, The Upholsterer's Step-by-Step Handbook, which I love as a book. It's my great pleasure to welcome Alex Law. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Well, thank you for asking me along, Robbie. Okay, so to, I, I, I ask the same question every time, so everyone's getting used to it by now. But um, when you were coming up to school leaving age, did you have a clear career path or, or was it sort of, did you not really know what you wanted to do? Oh, I, th- I think like most 16 year olds really, are, I, I didn't have a clue. Yeah. Um, there were things I was interested in and uh, perhaps subject areas I was quite strong in, yeah. but you know, without going into it, you know, fam- family dynamic around that time had uh, yeah. created a situation where I, d- I didn't do too well at school. All oh, right, because um, I, I, I would imagine you was being quite academic. I, I'm always interested in academic subjects, yeah. um, but fairly recently I discovered the severity of my dyslexia. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so, so the, uh, it kind of revealed really what had been the uh, limiter or inhibitor yeah. in, in, in those areas. So it, it, it yeah. fundamentally, I just wasn't going to be good. There seems it. to be a disproportionate amount of upholsterers with dyslexia because I, I had terrible trouble as a child. I mean, I was diagnosed when I was probably nine years, no, yeah, later than that, 12 years old. Um, but so many people you talk to seem to have a, an issue with with that and I wonder if it's like the creative mind you, you know you, you're, you're forced into a direction because it's a natural place for you to go if that makes any sense. Oh in, entirely I, yeah. I have probably or well, certainly flippantly uh, referenced how actually dyslexia is a, as an asset. Yeah uh, yeah yeah and I must admit now now I understand uh, actually uh, that I'm I'm not a lexic person <laughs> um it actually I, I, I guess you know I'm more serious about it and I, I guess like a, a lot of people who discover it well I don't, I don't know it depends what it was like for you but obviously discovering it much later in life and 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 actually having it presented to me yeah. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, you mentioned my book, I, you know, I, it was set up by a, stu- a student I was teaching at the time. Um, they, they asked me to sort of find something for them within the book. And uh, they literally set up this thing where they had an acrylic overlay in their hand, unbeknown to me, and they dropped it over the text as I was struggling to read it. And then kind of like in class, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very tight group, really lovely people, as most yeah. upholstery students yeah. actually yeah. inherently tend to be. Um, but it's, yeah, so actually kind of like happened to me in a, you know, all my awareness happened in a, in a kind of a strange way. And it was, but it, you know, definitely within understanding three-dimensional forms, and being able to understand the language of uh, materials and application and, and stuff like that. I think there's, there's definitely something, whether it's just the fact that we don't get bogged down in the text, maybe. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. And we just kind of maybe it becomes more of an emotive thing. I, and it's very interesting because my wife is very academic and she, everything she learns is 
paper it's it's reading it's writing you know that's how she learns there is for me it's always about doing it and, and we lived in spain for a couple of years and i i learned spanish by really doing by talking it she was studying books you know there was no difference in in the learning there isn't a right or wrong way but it's just very interesting the way we adapt to different needs i think it, it, you know because I, I mean actually the word this i don't know why we're going down this subject but we'll go it go with it anyway but that 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 the whole thing with dyslexia to me seems like such a massive umbrella for a hugely diversifying problem you know because there are many different levels of dyslexia and and it, it's it's a bit of a sweeping brush just to say i'm dyslexic you know but yes yeah. Thank, thank you. You've you've just you, absolutely yeah. you've just rated yeah. something. I, I do. I try and uh, it's almost like I, I use the word euphemism. Almost. It's kind of yeah. Yeah. there's so many different things, and I think you know your severity depends on the amount of these neurodivergent issues yeah. Yeah. that you're that you're kind of dealing with at any one time. Yeah. Um, I mean, mine's definitely visual stress. Um, but there are, you know, I oh, mean, there's so many different charts. I mean, it, it's difficult. It's a new, it's a new science, and we're, we're laymen, well, <laughs> so um, it's I probably, probably should have get in that route. <laughs> Twelve or so, and that, like, like that was in the seventies. So you know, it, they've been aware of it for a long, long time. It's just that, mm. anyway. Tell us about your first job, Alex. So what, what did you do when you left school? So on the back of a dreadful. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the time frame was the very late 80s. Yep. In the UK at the time, we had uh, still had a, an apprentice system. Uh, I mean, it had been whittled away to some extent. So, I mean, you're, you're a few years older than me, and I, and I know that we've spoken, and you had quite a formal opportunity there and, and, and you know and whatever but it, it's that um by the time I, I kind of arrived there were there were three year opportunities for full apprenticeships um I, I inadvertently applied for for a job with an upholstery company you know I think if I'm being brutally honest to get my mum off my back <laughs> for the summer <laughs> um and it and it looked kind of interesting it was convenient and and whatever I, I you know i i didn't have a clue really what it was i mean i knew what chairs were yeah. um i'd stuff it i studied graphics you know, you know yeah. so i kind of knew what one was i'd drawn a couple but it was um I, there was this amazing opportunity two upholsterers um, had got together off the back of um, race furniture and Ernest Race was a really good mid-century British designer and he had a plant not too far from here and a couple of the guys who'd, who'd worked together one was a pattern cutter and prototyper and the other one worked in the drafting room and actually uh, they kind of got together and set up a business and then many years later I, I, I kind of blundered my way into this incredibly privileged little system that they'd set up um, for 
nurturing <laughs> young upholsterers. And to be fair, after a couple of weeks of work experience, uh, you know, in my trial period, I'd, I'd realised that although I wasn't particularly enjoying the long hours of stripping out furniture and endless staples cutting yeah. into my hands, you know, I was uh, I was quite delicate in my hands. I was a canoeist at the time, so oh, it okay. was uh, every time I jumped in a bit of salty water after <laughs> stripping yeah. out. <laughs> it, it, it was smarting a little to say the least so um you know but I could see past that and and I realized actually uh, you know I'm really interested in and I've always been interested actually in objects and not so much accruing objects but people's relationship with them uh you know kind of anthropology around that I grew up in a house that you know had new internationalist magazines around and so yeah. you know you know this social policy was the talk of the house sort of thing so you, you know I kind of was aware of design within context and the history of it and how you could chart people's history and development through yeah. all of these things and that included process and I got to see some of that going on so it was quite clear early on that I was uh, I, I was lucky to be in a workshop that wasn't you know, there's no ego, you know, I mean, yeah. guys weren't, they weren't big profile superstar, big hitters. They were just good. Yeah. I, I it's so lucky to fall in that sort of camp really. Cause it, it I, I would, Im well, I don't imagine. I know that, that it's very easy to fall into a slightly bullying initiation type process of, of, of work, isn't it? Where, where you're, you're, you know, I, I mean, when I started, it was, you know, I was stripping nine to five for what felt like forever. It was probably yeah. about two years, but, you know, and that's all I did, you know. So it, it's, it's, um, I think if you've got into that environment, because where I started, it was very bog standard upholstery. There was nothing particularly fancy about it. And I think if you've fallen into a place where the, the passion for the craft is, is, paramount it must be a beautiful experience particularly as a 16 year old kid oh yeah totally I, I, don't get me wrong I mean I grew up in a um, pretty economically um, sort of limited sort of area uh, yeah. you know late 80s North Kent coastal town yeah um, it, you know there, there weren't big budgets around and stuff like that but but we were lucky that we were only 55 miles from London yeah. so you you know there was always that connection I and I you know I guess any any upholsterer that lives within striking distance of a large conurbation will see two patterns to their work or traditionally would have seen two patterns to their work you know you've got the high-end uptown yeah. stuff and then you've got literally um I suppose, you know, no disrespect to anyone, but the Morris and Doris, you know. Yeah, yeah, which was your, kind your of local, yeah. you know, your, well, your, your neighbours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that yeah. was kind of how I started. You kind of answered it anyway, but you, you, your passion for it sort of just developed from quite a young age, really. You, you, you that the whole feel of upholstery yeah. just captured you very early on. I, 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 certainly the spark was, li was yeah. lit. You know, I mean, I, I'm definitely an upholsterer. I don't, well, I don't think I'm different from any upholsterer. You know, we you have a love-hate relationship yeah. and it ebbs and flows like a 
you know, he's like a tiger. Any job, any job. You know, it's, it's um, and there are times, you know, where, you know, where, where that, that spark goes to to a new level, you know, any, any kind of, you know, something, maybe a sort of a technique or something that's been irritating you, then quite nailed or, or, or yeah. stitched. Uh, or, you know, those sort of serendipitous moments where you, ju- you just realise you're, you're, you're just in a good place. You're enjoying whatever job you're doing at the time. And, and that's, you know, and, it, and because the, the, the subject area is so vast that could, you know, that can happen in quite, quite odd moments. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, I mean, I've talked about this before, but I think there's something absolutely wonderful about that, that moment when you're actually lost in time in the job because you're just so into what you're doing. I, I, the only other place I get that is cycling for, for you know, cause that's what I do. And, and it's just that, that wonderful feeling of it, it's almost meditation, isn't it? I, I guess. Yeah. When, when you're really in the right place. I haven't been there for a while, I've got to say, but, you know, when you're in the right place, it's a lovely feeling. Because you don't want to go home, do you? It's not work, it's it's pleasure. Yeah, well, yeah, it's... <laughs> so, yeah, it can be... Um, yeah, it can be awkward if you caught with in that moment. <laughs> you yeah. know, you suddenly... You know, there are phone calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's, that's an interruption, though, and that's, that's a... You know, there are pain in the arts interruptions usually when you're in that place, but because it just stops that flow. So, did you have a mentor? Were it the guys you started with? Are they people you still refer to, or 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 is it oh, just it's, well, developed over time? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, John Ailey from Aaron Kirk were yeah. You know, they they gave me the opportunity, and I and I, and I work with them, and I and I you know we've sort of maintained a relationship, even you know. Everyone, they quite fragmented um, where everyone lives now, but it's um, and they were a good catalyst to get me going. But it was a bit, I guess, with my career path and the way I, I haven't trod a kind of a traditional upholsterer's route. I'm not on the tools ten hours a day, yeah, five six days a week. It'd be silly for me to sort of pretend that I may have done that for a few years obviously as a like a journeyman I mean that that was the thing you know going, getting back to the the, t- the time frame we, we were able to do that kind of thing and go through the formal apprentice process um get a qualification yeah attached to that that was a tried sort of qualification and then we could take that around and and I did that journeyman thing for quite a few years you know just got you know almost sort of rocking up with your yeah. bag of tools you know yeah. and uh I didn't know what an interview was until wow I don't know I don't know I, I, I've only really ever had it three or four interviews in my life of it. <laughs> you can sort of got photos of you, you know, within seconds, you know, yeah. you throw someone a hammer, yeah. by the t- you can tell before their hands are even taken hold of the wood. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah. Whether they know the balance oh, yeah, of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's a good point. So the development that you went through from sort of, there, what, what what were the next steps before you start started moving on into sort of becoming 
where you are now or getting to where you are now. Where, where, where did you go after that? Well, I suppose there's two answers, really, uh, geographically and, yeah. and sort of like, um, you know, mentally, I guess. Yeah. Um, so by physically being a journeyman, I did travel to other little areas. Now, yeah. now the UK is not massive. No. It, it, it's, you cycle it. And I know that give yourself a week you could be there and back again, wherever you want. You could, you could have done the whole country, top to bottom, and got home, you know. <laughs> and that's, Maybe not in a week, but yeah, I know what you mean, but yeah. All right, but around that sort of time. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, for, I think upholsterers in other areas of the world, perhaps. Oh, totally. I mean, certainly when they're viewing, that. you know, when they view the sort of the British upholstery yeah. scene, yeah, you know, if that exists or whatever, or industry, you know, profession, whatever. Actually, it's really bizarre um, to get your head around the vernacular based on really small areas of geography. Now, you can move 20 miles. Some of the language and the processes have changed. Yeah. So the materials, the, it's so rich. Um, it can be frustrating at times, as it did, you know, as as we all speak to each other and <laughs> communicate certain techniques. But it, but it's wonderful for variety, and it, and I think it, it certainly uh, use was useful for me to move around a few workshops over a few years, and I may have only been covering a few hundred miles in yeah. the geographical area. But from kind of new, bespoke, one-off pieces into more uh, appraisal of mass manufacturing and stuff like that. I mean, you, you, you're covering a huge area of, of subject. Yeah. It's done. Without really doing yeah. too much. Yeah. And like you say, like, it, it, I think it's very easy to get you know, I, I, particularly as, as upholsterers, I think you tend to get into this, oh, it's 25 mile radius of where I'm working, where I'm living. And, and do you know what I mean? And, and you, it's quite an insular, it can't, I don't mean this to be insulting, so please don't take it that way, folks. But, but you know, we, we can be quite insular in, in our thinking sometimes. And, and like an ex expansive thought about, you could go and work in Scotland for a couple of months. Because that's how you're going to learn different techniques, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I, it, I mean, it was imperative to me. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I am a magpie. Well, yeah. I certainly was uh, early on, I suppose. It was that um, cherry picking, loads of different little bits out of people's technique. Um, John and Alan were really good with that. They, they kind of, they drummed it in. They were always saying, this is, you know, there's not just one way. Yeah, you know, I think I think they were they were quite cool. You know, I mean, I don't know how it works for you. And I, you know, getting back to the whole dyslexia thing, but it's like I don't. Some days I don't know who's going to turn up on the bench. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might be really in, uh, wanting to resolve something I've got going on on a, on a sort of more modern piece, or yeah. you know, researching a little bit or something. I might need to do a bit of stitching. Bit of sewing. Some yeah. days the machine is your friend. Or I'm some. I'm an up. Unfortunately, I am an upholsterer where the machine can be my friend, or it can be a punishing <laughs> piece of engineering that was designed to torment you. 
Yeah, God, I know that feeling so well. So I I guess that, you know, what's worked for me is trying to identify that and then hop onto another area (laughs) where where you're kind of cool with it for the day and you kind of get all that. So, you know, sometimes you have have sort of little little pieces working along. But it, it is, I guess a lot of that comes from this idea of just sort of traditional system that that was there i mean we craft is 600 years old yeah in its kind of recognized form i guess say as in i.e the royal charter being the point where it got recognized by yeah you know in in this country and then but obviously it been around you know com- comfort is one of those things that is sort of on the second tier essential you need to be healthy you need to be sheltered and you need to be fed after that kind of you get this next tier and kind of comfort comes in quite quite high up yeah. so obviously by the, by the time we we arrive in the, the sort of the late 20th century as as, as sort of upholsterers there'd been this really good sort of centuries old sense of continuity of, of, yeah. of how this system could work to help us be the best upholsterers we could be or, or exploit yeah. what we wanted from it um so and it probably was possible certainly in i guess you know western europe i mean we had lots of each of the cultures had their own thing going on and they, yeah. we, we still do now um, and obviously, latterly, it's sort of, a, I guess, what we kind of assess, assess as a sort of a European sort of sense of upholstery, I guess, has been exported a, around the world. I guess what's quite interesting is is sort of how we're now, certainly through social media, we're getting to sort of experience a lot of work from other cultures as yeah. well, which is, yeah, yeah. which is really interesting. Obviously, we didn't have it, we didn't have it then, so we just, you know, there was that thing in in the journeyman thing. There was a physical process, but then there was a there's there's that development stuff going on too. So moving on from that, because so, it, it it kind of connects quite nicely, I think. So in terms of if you were looking to start again today and retrain bearing in mind the restrictions there there are the training centers and so on but but what what process would you use to get to the skill level that you've got now that's it's a really it's it's a really tricky one and um through tutoring i found a mechanism that works for a fair few if you if, if if they can get it together as a cohort and and really i suppose it's that through that collective kind of networking and group pooling of resources um what obviously we had access to a system that to be fair and i don't feel we're responsible for it necessarily but it has kind of disappeared to an extent even though it's kind of been happening on our watch yeah but yeah. well obviously we weren't policy makers and uh, but what what has happened definitely through the training school networks and trade associations and, and so forth there's been a kept, sort of core qualification kept there but we're talking about a really limited amount of upholsters here we're talking you know you can access that if you're in our part of the uk yeah. you know and, and and it'd be naive of us to think that everyone around, even everyone around. But I mean, the, the 
biggest problem we see with the qualifications, and I think they're brilliant. I, you know, I've employed people off the back of doing that. But, but the problem is that when you get to the end of that, there is no next step. That You can't get on a bench, you know, and, and, and your hand is forced into becoming uh, your own boss or, or actually not doing the thing that you've just trained to do. And, and it, it, it's because it's so hard to get that connection to work for an upholsterer. Well, yeah, this this is where I, I suppose it comes down to that thing as sort of the, uh, maybe the guilt. <laughs> I say on our watch, you know, um, you and I, we don't have vast companies. You know, should no, no. Should, should should we? Should you know? Was there a duty for us to be here talking now, having these vast companies where we could offer legions of upholsters yeah. opportunities? And unfortunately. Yeah. We, we haven't those don't really exist i suppose what we're dealing with at the moment is a resurgence in interest in craft globally yeah, yeah. and uh whether that's through social media or or, or you know just actually just I, collective yeah. awareness I it, and interest. Yeah, i think some of it is, is social media but i also think some of it is the, the big green ticket I think I think there's yeah. a, so much about not throwing stuff away anymore that that people are conscious of that, and what and and that's what we do is a, an obvious fix and connection for them. If if that makes so, sense, yeah. With absolutely, so if you if you couple that with the fact that everyone's got a bottom, <laughs> and we all sit on them, yeah. So it, the work is always there, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. The, re the reality. So I appreciate, you know, the challenge is, so going back to your question, really, how does someone get to the point where it's, you know, they're comfortable in, in, their, in their skin as an upholsterer yeah. and, and, and what have you? I, I think it really needs to start in parallel to the training. Yeah. So when I was training uh, one or two days a week at college, I, I was working with fantastic upholsterers, yeah. obviously, uh, you know, four to five. It, actually, one of my tutors, I used to go and work for him at weekends. So there were periods where I was working seven days a week, you know, just hoovering it up. You know, let's, we weren't really making money. Um, it, was, it was all about experience, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that is, I suppose that's my regret that those, you know, a lot of those companies just, just don't exist now yeah you know, I, I suppose it's a good point in, in terms of that that development piece isn't it there, there must be a way of fixing it but in a different way to what we've done historically because that that doesn't exist anymore you know no, I, I, I think it's down to time really it takes a certain amount of time yeah oh to totally a skill yeah, yeah. And, and and you can't cheat that no, there's no. certain things uh i mean you, you touched on it earlier you mentioned about the sort of draconian elements of our training yeah so my argument is there are efficiencies in how someone can get themselves from newbie to comfortable upholsterer so it, you can cut a certain amount of that time out because actually a lot of 20th century work-based training was about teaching you to be compliant <laughs> and take yeah. instruction yeah. and just get on with it 
you yeah. know. And and I have to say, as an um, as a sixteen-year-old, I think that you know there was quite a bit of input to to kind of like rein that in in me, and, and I'm not and I'm not sure any any employers ever achieved it. But it's <laughs> you know, you don't need to be developing a system or underpinning a system perhaps in the same way we used to so we need to work smarter and I and I'm 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 really interested in that subject of how, how do we get to the point where um, there's a really good trust between experienced upholsterers and new intake and how communication can happen and support and what have you. And it really is a challenge, actually. Uh, for, for me, I, I mean, I, I've met upholsterers who have moaned about someone coming to work with them and train with them and then leave at the end and go and do something else or go and set up. And to me, that, that's really sad because that's how I learn. I went from one place to another to learn my skill. And why is it wrong for someone you know i i think it, it's how we're going to develop our trade is actually accepting that you're going to take somebody on and they're going to move on to another job and you're just part of their development and and you should be proud of that not not decrying the fact they're going to leave you you know i know it's hard but i think it's if if we want our trade to grow and prosper it's really important that we think like that and not this insular sort of um uh, sort of you're just stabbing me in the back attitude because if you work with somebody when they've left you you've still got a partner if you hate them and you and you destroy them then then you're never going to work together and it's just such an for me it's a negative attitude into absolutely i yeah i mean it's a very it's a difficult thing but you know, some people get it, some people don't. And yeah, it, oh, totally. You, I mean, you know, I mean, you're always going to get a different, you know, a, a vast, wide cohort coming yeah. into the into the craft. Anyone know. would think we're all different, Alex. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's you know, I guess with certainly London Chair Collective kind of formed in my classroom and this it was really interesting watching this dynamic uh, kind of come together between my students and yeah. how they were building this support network with each other and um, kind of you know obviously I was working with them in class and then kind of trying to help them with the sort of limited experience I had sort of outside of class but because to be fair I've always been sort of kind of I'm, I'm i'm not good at the old commerce <laughs> sort of yeah. thing or whatever so there's a limitation to you know the advice i could give in those sort of areas yeah. i'm you know and I, I guess that's the bit of me that kind of you know is interested in the academia the, the progression of the, the, yeah. the continuity of, of the craft you know and uh i suppose those of us that perceive ourselves as conduits that we are custodians of knowledge yeah. that yes. is passing through us. Yeah. It, it, we didn't own it when it came in. Yeah. We get to put our mark and our spin on it. But if it doesn't leave us, then it's a bit bizarre, isn't it? It is. So it's really and, you, and actually, it's disrespectful <laughs> the thing that was gifted you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, by, I suppose what, 
I guess I'm coming around to with the London Chair Collective thing was I encouraged each of them to look at a facet of the industry or the or, or upholstery that they were interested in and strong in, learn to exploit that and then come together at times to work on projects that are perhaps outside of their field to learn from each other, you know, but just don't be really cool and understand that it will take time and probably and years to develop a massive portfolio of individual skills. Mm -hmm. So you've got to get to a point where you can um, survive beyond the rigors of business and, and actually collaboration is a way of dealing with that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely idea. I really like that as a, as a you know, because uh, that actually, if, if you're collaborating with other, others like that, it's, it, it gives you different opportunities and, and you're uh, learning. Well, from each other you know i mean we, we know we've all got you know you you've got strengths that i haven't and yeah. you know and hopefully what i'll see that you haven't you know or whatever but it's the I facets of, you know <laughs> <laughs> i suppose it's that cliche thing you know teamwork makes the dream work when you're when you're working on your own it's too easy to get bogged into a really isolated place and forget that you 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 can complement other people in a team and some of them might be upholstery some of them might not even be upholstery yeah. you know i mean that's i suppose exciting for me i'll get to work on projects maybe yeah. where people aren't involved you know with the upholstery side but they can do something with with your skill that you can't yeah, yeah. And, and show it in a way or interpret it in a way that actually you're too cold too close to the coal face to be able to, to oh, see yeah absolutely yeah. you know and, it, and it's no different for anyone so really i, I guess it's that uh, you know you know there's no point pretending there's an opportunities there for everyone to go beat you know if you can go beat down doors go and beat down doors you know yeah. oh, you know persistently you know get in get into places and but the reality is we the, without funding you know everyone's everyone is when they're starting out usually it's a it's a part-time thing you yep. know you pay for your studies you've got to pay to live to finance the point where you can actually do the research so unfortunately that that sort of thing where um you just can't cheat the hours no you can't on the tools you, no. you really can't so, so going back to to you, because um, I'm quite interested in how you, you you then sort of ended up where you are now. Because you were at the London Met for a while, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. So, so how did how did you end up at London Met? I've worked abroad for a while. I, I spent some time in North America, well, Canada actually. Yeah. Uh, Montreal. Uh, fantastic. I posted no, that. Kind of come back to the UK and uh, picked up some work. I, I, I was really interested in linking. I've always been interested in linking craft skills with manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a, there's a spot in there that for me is is the is that kind of uh, developmental uh, you know uh, anchor to tradition and craft realized in the, in the now mm. and i like that moment and that 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 pushes my upholstery button so mm. i <laughs> no pun intended fire were looking for just general service technician 
kind of you know there's an opportunity that had been in there so I, I'd taken that role and it was it was really good and I learned a lot about um, manufacturing furniture from seeing it from the complaint resolution side right you know, yeah. learning what was going wrong with stuff so when I'm in a more factory-based situation and you're doing some development work you can actually maybe learn from that and then rope it into the into the system you know because if I'm ever in that environment, I'm just in there as a consultant. I, you know, I won't be embedded in the company for a long time. So there's a limitation to what you can learn within the processes. So I was looking at the time for a load of different skill. And, and it was just a, a phone call that came um, from an outgoing tutor that was just saying that, you know, there's an opportunity coming up at um, London Met, as it uh, was then. I'd, I'd been at, there as an apprentice at the London College of Furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, there was a bit of me drawn, I suppose, that sense of wanting to pay back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I was really interested in, I guess, look at exploring teaching it. Um, when I was quite young, I used to canoe. My, my, my brother and I both canoed and he, he encouraged me to teach it. And he, you know, even as a kid, you know, as a 14 year old, I was a, I was a canoe instructor. And um, I realised you, you really get to kind of explore uh, opportunities or, or I suppose ideas. So you can, you prove, you test something yourself, you develop something, you have a go around, you've got your interpretation of that. Well, if you can share that with other people, peer review you get different feedback you get different interpretations the thing evolves you're going to get stuck you're going to get feedback that you could never have conceived of yourself some of it's going to be good some of it's going to be bad but hey so the opportunity to to sort of kind of do that in a classroom environment i knew the facility it was all there so i kind of took that's where i that's where i took it and so so the, the teaching was obviously a very natural fit for you so how long, how long how long were you there? For you? I think it was nearly ten years. Ten years, <laughs> was really? eight, was that eight years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've just seen yeah. quite a lot of people pass through. Yeah, hundreds. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Can be embarrassing. <laughs> you, sort of, you sort of meet someone. Oh gosh, can't you, you know, there's a lot of names to remember. Oh, but, um, I, I mean, I mean, if that's not putting back, I don't know what it is. So it's 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 lovely um, from that point of view. So, yeah, so when, I was really good. You get, you know, I got to meet. I would, I would advise it. You know, any kind of upholstery who feels they're mid-career, you know, they can do it, and it's instinctive. At the point where it's become instinctive, actually, go teach it because then it will make you reassess what you're doing and reappraise what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. help you understand perhaps some of the to- some of the things that you're doing that really work. Um, but that. you've got no concept of because it's happening instinctively. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because I I have been teaching, but I I don't particularly feel like a good teacher. You know, my 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 thing really is just to have a lot of fun, um, and, that, and that's not always the best way to learn a craft, is it? But um, I I I think there are quite a lot of us out. I mean, I've worked with a few. I, I remember going on a course once for loose covers, and the guy charged quite a lot of money for the course and he was not a teacher because all we did was watch him do the work all the time and it really was a very eye-opening experience for me in terms of how I taught because 
you don't learn if you're watching somebody you've got to do it yourself and and he just didn't get that aspect of it at all um i, I don't know what your thoughts are on that but it's just it, for me sort of the, the whole teaching part of it i found though i've enjoyed it a lot it, it, i found it really it's been a very steep learning curve for me i guess um i've been thinking about this recently actually and it you know what what um you know what approach in the classroom from a tutor's point of view an upholstery tutor's point of view and that balance between practical demonstration yeah. and uh support or almost hands-on support or whatever of, of the student and, and, and where that relationship you know is you know where is it perfect yeah. and it's it's that sort of striving for that i know obviously it's you know arriving at the utopia will probably happen on the last day you know when you hang up your apron and you, you, you finish <laughs> the, the career you know i mean that's that thing but it's i guess uh i mean i'll go through similar stuff to you i mean it's imposter syndrome isn't it oh totally it's a bad thing sometimes I, I i mean i'm exactly the same if you'd have seen me flapping around um a few minutes before plugging into this zoom it's uh, you know it's no different in the classroom and I, but actually do you know that that i guess that keeps you honest yeah. my, my studio is with a, i don't really have, i don't have a studio with upholsterers or workshop with other upholsterers yeah um, i'm in a building uh with artists ceramicists sculptors uh, you know web designers graphic designers all filmographers you know and it is um and they're, you know, we all talk about this sort of thing, and it is that imposter syndrome almost. It, it does, it keeps you healthy, and it, and it stops you uh, perhaps uh, getting a little too carried away with yourself. And uh, I, I totally, I, I, it's just sometimes it, I, I, you know, you end up telling yourself a story that's not true, and that's where you've got to be mindful of what you're listening to. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What part of the craft do you enjoy most? Oh, um, I, 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 I am generally going to struggle with that. Maybe the experimentation side of it, really. No. Um, process, yeah, I think. And I guess it's that thing that I, I alluded to earlier it's that taking being a good representation of the craft in the early third millennia. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And I, I'm sort of striving to be that. And I, and I, and I suppose it's, um, well, I'm not striving to be that. It's, it's, it sounds forced. Um, that's the driver, you know, mm -hmm. and it, I think um, for me, definitely um, beach clean chair. I don't, I don't know if you know about this, right? No. I am. Um, so I upholster with marine pollution. Oh, do you? And, um, yeah, I'm out canoeing, surfing background. So I'm, I'm used to being, <laughs> I've seen a lot of detritus in the water. Yeah. Um, and I got introduced to beach cleaning as a, as a concept of uh, a few years ago by, by an artist friend of mine. And he collected certain objects and he would catalogue them, photograph them and, you know, and he, fulfilled his 
requirement of a very ordered life um, through this incredibly um, virtuous process of, of beach cleaning. And he introduced me to this a little community uh, called Two Minute Beach Clean. It's just this lovely little idea that and it actually it's spread to many other environments. And so the basic concept is when you've enjoyed being in a certain environment, spend your last two minutes collecting some detritus and remove it and dispose of it. What and a it, lovely idea that is. It, it was uh, Martin Dory is, uh, is an English um, TV presenter, writer and just sort of envi environmental activist uh, in, a, you yeah. know, in a really smart way. And he came up with this beautifully empowering idea. So um, risk getting too off on environmental you know yeah. issues but it's very easy to get lost and feel pathetic and uh, that you can't influence anything or your or just your modest little act is not going to um mean one iota yeah and i'm and i'm not talking about the the moments you blog or anything like that you know you're just walking along and you and you interact with your environment to improve it for everyone just just those little things and he he just found this beautifully elegant way of doing it or presenting it and he it one of the things was two minute beach clean so i got involved you know just doing them and, and i was blogging them a little bit and sort of supporting you know if i could and um i started to become aware of a, of, of a few people fusing some of the fibers and looking at different structures within the materials and they were looking at repurposing and it, and it, and it, and it was this idea that it's not just enough to remove the material you, ne you need to do something with it yeah. because you you know it, yeah it's cool removing it but but then where's it going yeah, yeah, yeah. or or whatever yeah. um and i started to realize there's there's you know there's these filaments there's polymer yeah. filaments yeah. everywhere and in fact it's the stuff that's turning into the microplastics it is so we could use this potentially and if you imagine now in your head walking along a beach you've seen them a little clump of fishing gear yeah sat there now there is a hook in there and it does look un unappealing mm. but if you remove that hook and made that little clump clean you've actually got this fibrous material in a ball form that's stranded and potentially through the use of a few other materials and some stitching techniques, you could create a three-dimensional form that could support, say, a body. That's fantastic. I love that. It's so good. It's so, good. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just sort of started getting into that. So I've done a few chairs. It's not, I'm not shelling peas, yeah. you know, um, but every now and again, um, it takes me a long time to collect enough yeah. usable material. Yeah. Um, so, and then, yeah, so I, I sort of kind of use this sort of generically two, three hundred year old sort of stitching technique, you know, <laughs> traditional upholstery stitching technique. But I use uh, beach clean pines. So, so kind of this just kind of leads on to the next question. What are you proudest of in, 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 in terms of what you've done? I mean, that must be right up there, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it, I love it. I'm you not, know, not putting words in your mouth, but it, it's just like the question is, what are you proudest of of the things that you've done? And, and I, I suppose, 
you know, I wouldn't put a physical, I wouldn't put that into physical form. I suppose for me, the, the I think the pride, I think the pride comes from representing. You know, yeah, I, I know. You know, I'm I'm pretty confident. You know, on that on that last breath where I meet some divine in upholsterer sat on some big pearly couch somewhere lets you through the upholstered gates I'd, I, yeah maybe maybe not but i th i think there'll be a, a a fair um a fair respect of recognition in yeah. the eye contact and it and, I, and it, as long as i can equip myself i had an opportunity and i was gifted well i was, I was gifted some opportunities to accrue some skills and i did something with that that was a benefit beyond servicing the needs of com providing comfort, yeah. like physical comfort, then, then I've sort of done that really and helped mm. try and, I suppose, uh, preserve the continuity, I suppose, not the continuity, the, I suppose, uh, the application but, of traditional yeah. craft. But it is the it. continuity, isn't it? It is the, it's the, the, the not losing the thread of our craft and our skill. I, I, I love the idea. Uh, I was chatting with a friend and he, we, we sort of came up with this idea, you know, imagine if there was this Georgian upholsterer, you know, when you could, I, I love the fact that they could chop up that chair or cut, you know, draw a knife, take a cross section yeah. and they'd, they'd understand the technique but not recognise the material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So, couple of negative well one negative question really what what frustrates you about the trade and you can say nothing because I, I know it's a negative question but uh and well i suppose on a personal note i, I feel I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my midlife crisis so i'm trying not to get frustrated by anything um, <laughs> and i suppose i guess i guess it's legislation there's a I don't, I don't know if frustration is the word, but it, I am acutely aware of uh, policies, just, just whole, maybe, maybe, do you know what? Maybe, Robbie, frustration is exactly the right word. Um, <laughs> I think we really, really need to push our governments to invest in low impact beneficial crafts and the continuity of them and the and and the fact that unfortunately at the moment we're going through uh, big shiny big shiny endorsement projects you know big headline stuff and all of that I mean obviously we're all gone through or we're in the middle of a globally significant event <laughs> during the recording of this yeah. um and you know i really hope that when we come out of it there is going to be sort of centralized uh, investment in um helping people accrue skills i suppose and concentrate on sort of low impact technologies like i say and and and, and upholstery is part of that the one of the big limiters or the two of the big limiters i think really derive from fire regulations i don't necessarily feel it's a driver for the 
a, a policy, but I definitely feel that the Brit that Britain has the most stringent fire regulations on domestic upholstered furniture of any country in the world yeah. for, for, for the reasons of protecting the domestic market and, and underpinning and supporting uh, that, that particular sector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think there are decisions made within that 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 do not suit the advancement of ecologically sound upholstery um and on our limiting it and i and, it, and i am you know that kind of needs it does need to happen i mean obviously we've got fire regulations are quite an emotive subject you know oh, yes. yeah. um we all want to produce products that are safe yeah. but unfortunately you know you get changes in legislation i mean a classic so there's um commercial fire regulations and and so forth well you know there are big industry reasons why commercial fire regs are even an extra step up if any upholsterers around the world listening to this and they fancy making a product for the uk market you, you you know just know you you're going to really be starting from zero <laughs> because you know to make something comply for the uk regs is 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 very very difficult mm. and it creates this almost sort of impenetrable fortress which is great for protecting the uk manufacturing base mm. um but, but it's it a just... double sword though isn't it because because it, it for me that the, the Part of the issue with the fire regulations is that there is no consistency with them there are different regulations for sort of soft furnishings and and, and hotel you know the the, the 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 change on on how they operate sometimes seem to me at least unfathomable and and don't make a lot of sense yeah i it's i i you know, I'm, I'm happy to go on record and say, I think they are a product of really good lobbying and they got not a lot to do with practical application yeah. of a really good concept. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on from that one. <laughs> How do you relax outside of upholstery? What's, what's your joy? Uh, well, other than my family, yeah. um, and, and that's sincere. Um, really getting out in the sort of natural environment i mean it's difficult at the moment isn't it um yes uh we've all we've all had wherever we are we've all got huge curbs on our everyday lives um I, i'm lucky that i i've always uh, enjoyed natural environments um whether it jumping off a waterfall in a <laughs> ridiculous vessel in my youth or you know sort of taking an amble through the woods <laughs> with a camera as a sort of a more mature grown-up it's sort of you know really getting out in nature for me has always been um, really important and I probably more so now than ever um, and it's it, yeah you know those moments are definitely uh, the ones to cherish but i love photography and okay. uh, you know, kind of things like that so it's documenting it yeah. um, 
I've got a little bit of woodland that's not too far from me, and I'm a, I'm a, I suppose I've always, probably since my late teens, I've been interested in mycology, and mm. uh, I am an amateur myco or naturally, you know, uh, a lay mycologist, I guess. Um, I, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a forager. That's not really my dr driver. Mm. I'm, I'm really interested in actually uh, fungi as yeah. a. As, as, as an organism really yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, they're, they're they're fascinating and they're so varied well, well with my missus <laughs> my missus really i didn't say that delete that my good lady right yeah, yeah. she loves all that yeah mm. it's they're, they're they're amazing i really enjoyed sort of science kind of based you know sort of podcasts or tv yeah. and so forth and things like that so um really i, I they definitely tick that box, but I really love the structure and the forms. So, yes. um, I've actually, I suppose, I'm on this sort of pursuit of um, an upholstery kind of technique, really, that I've been trying to sort of pull off, and it and it, and it is to kind of represent some mycology and, and so forth and, and what have you. So, I guess, do I ever switch off from upholstery? Is a fair question <laughs> kind of i don't know it's it's, it's I'm, I'm i think i'm as guilty as every upholsterer out there that that really it's in your head all the time isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it's um it's hard it, it, unfortunately for, for like the lifers <laughs> sort of 30 years in I, like I say, you know, my hours may have ebbed and flowed from, but it has been with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, it is hard to switch off, you know, because unfortunately you really switch off and you're completely in another happy place. You're away from it. And then suddenly, oh, the clarity comes in and you suddenly solve a problem that was bothering you last Tuesday yeah. morning that you'd tucked to the back of the list. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know <laughs> that one really, really well, actually. Really well. So I think this kind of relates to what you've just been talking about. Where, what's your future? What, what, what are you looking to do in the next few years as an upholsterer? What's, what's, have you got a plan? Have you got a goal? Or is it sort of... Uh, never. There's no plan. Well, I mean, I know, I know there's something going on in, in, in your world that's going to be appearing soon. Yeah, so rather oddly, um, I was very fortunate a couple of years ago to be invited onto a TV show. and uh, I had seven minutes of live terror on Channel <laughs> 4, uh, Sunday Brunch, which is a, a magazine sort of show, lifestyle, and they, yeah. they like to focus um, on, a, on an author of a, of a subject so they can hold a book up to the camera and then yeah. ask you to sort of talk about it. So I had these seven minutes to kind of present upholstery and, okay. uh, and what I And I absolutely loved it. And I, yeah, it really went well. Everyone was very comfortable with, with sort of what I'd done. And I, I, I mean, as in my peers were, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't disrespect the profession. I quitted myself okay you know but but actually I, I did quite enjoy enjoy that world so um I, this last summer uh, I was offered the opportunity and in getting involved in a new show for the BBC okay um 
called uh, Saved and Remade, and it's, uh, it's, it's really about object transformation and helping um, contributors who've perhaps inherited something or they've got, they've got something in their life that, that, that is of emotional value or it means something, but the physical either form or the use of the object doesn't suit their life and they uh, bring it into the show and there's a team of uh, remakers uh, I'm one of 10 I think was it 10 there might have been 12 of us um, that uh, unfortunately because of filming we couldn't all meet because <laughs> of social distancing so we were in little little pockets and uh, in our safe little little bowls so but it's um yeah, so the show is all really about turning an object that is of value to someone uh, into another object, which hopefully will be beneficial to the way that they need to sort of use it in future. I, I, unfortunately, I, I can't obviously give any spoilers as to... No, no, no. no. But it is essentially, it's, um, it, you know, again, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, you, you're in the lens... Um, you know, it's not it's not a case of here's something they come back film a little bit and then there's a reveal we were filmed for the for the duration yeah oh, wow and uh yeah so you kind of with explaining to camera i mean it'd be really it's going to be very interesting do you know uh, what sort of time that program's going to be sort of as in time of year it's going to be be out or not it's going to be out in the spring is it? Okay. Um, it's going to be on BBC Two, uh, kind of evening um, show. Uh, we think an, an, the alternative to the news. So, yeah, it should be. It's really good. You know, it was a great, really nice team. There are lots of different disciplines: jewelry making, yeah. um, some people from the fashion world, uh, metal workers, woodworkers, sort of. Sort of more generalist, a bit like me, you know, kind of, um, although I'm not a woodworker, you know, I suppose my, my generalism in upholstery, I mean. Yeah. Um, there's a there's another great, great upholster on it. She sort of uh, has a very, very different sort of take um, to upholstery to me. Who, and it was, who's that? It was really cool. The sort of, we did, it was really annoying. We, we did try and pitch something together. But it was, who, um, who, was, who was that you were working with? Uh, Are you allowed yeah, to say or not? I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I could reveal it all. But no, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good. It was, okay. it was a really, really good process. And it comes back to that thing earlier, you know, it's just great for being invited into something where you can come in and do, do your sort of part of the project. Mm. But then all this, there's this uh, team of people who are really good at what they do around it and uh, can yeah. present it in a different way. And it's just, again, it was lovely to get out of that sort of, well, actually, to be fair, during a, <laughs> during a pandemic, it's an utter privilege yeah. to be able to get out of my sort of studio on my own yeah. and uh, be able to, to, you know, work even with a, in such a restrictive way with so many other, few other people, sorry. And it was, yeah, great, great. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I mean, I'm ner I've got to be honest, I am nervous about it of course yeah yeah i can understand that yeah. um it's a fascinating program though incredibly excited it's i, I mean what a privilege and because 
you know, there's a really good team of upholsterers. I, I say team. There's some really good upholsterers out there who are pushing the communication of our um, craft to a wider public. Yeah. You know, that's. I mean, we talked about the challenges within the trade of training and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, the eternal problem for upholstery is communicating it to our customers. Yeah. Because yeah. actually, they're the ones who buy the products. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. That's that's like a whole each other. Yeah. <laughs> Getting people to understand that skill is that that is where the skill is in a way. Yeah, I, I think I've spent my career saying to people, we need to we need to follow what chefs did in the seventies yeah. and eighties. Yeah. We need to understand what they did. As diners, you used to go to a restaurant. The, upper, the, the, the chef was irrelevant. Yeah. And then there became a greater understanding of what oh, chefs... Yeah, it's great. It's a real... It's a privilege to be part of that, actually, because there's some... There's, you know, there's some... It's, it's not easy. Um, yeah. On TV. <laughs> you know. I, I guess it would be subject to a lot of editing and so on, but, uh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, fascinating to see. I... I like yeah. I like that whole thing when you're you're playing around with furniture and, and girl I interviewed in the last series was uh, Leanne Trebwell, and she she was doing some fantastic things with furniture because you know she came at it from a different perspective and I just think for me that that's something that the trade really needs just someone looking at something differently. Well, yeah, absolutely. Holsters need to go and learn other stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's quite interesting, I suppose, from from a bench, from a, you know, from someone who entered at 16 and didn't go to art college or this or so, you know, I went to college and I studied upholstery and I was working it and then I went out. For me, you know, going out and um, exploring the advantages i would i would encourage everyone actually to explore digital technology yeah. <laughs> it, you know <laughs> i know i know it may not be your greatest friend but no, it's, not. it's um do you know there is actually may, maybe I, I i missed a point earlier when i was like the proudest sort of thing i've only met liana once i think but it you know and she, she's on it as well and then there's another guy, uh, ray clark yeah. Um, yeah. yeah fantastic bloke yeah so ray has has really jumped on digital printing as well yes. yeah and um i have to say when i left london met I'd, I'd been working with textile designers and artists and and what have you and, and teaching them upholstery yeah. and teaching them how to put their cloth you know using the craft yeah and I have to say, and I looked at it and I thought, what we need to be doing, well, we, you know, what upholsterers need to be doing or could be doing yeah. is learning to design your own textile. And I yeah. have to say, upholstering your chair or upholstering a chair in a bit of textile you've designed and you know the story behind it and the journey that took is amazing. Because yeah. you know, every upholsterer knows that the bitter disappointment, and I do mean bitter disappointment, when you present a piece of work to somebody 
and they can only see the cloth. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, every upholster will experience that at yeah. some point, you know. <laughs> and it could be, I don't like blue chairs, or yeah, oh, those. Don't like those stripes. And it's like, yeah, but what about the incredible work that I've suffered? Uh, I've been there a few times. I have been there a few times. And it's frustrating. Right, Alex, we're going to come to the last question now. So it's the Desert Island Discs bit. So you've got a film, a book, and a piece of music. <sighs> <laughs> Well, I can't really read. Um, a picture book. <laughs> so, teasing. And a book. Actually, do you know, I would take The Hobbit. Would you? I would take The Hobbit. I love it. Um, I think uh, I'm actually... Yeah, I'm not a, a religious chap actually at all in any way, shape or form, even referencing it earlier. But yeah, you can learn a lot about people in, in The Hobbit. Yeah. Um, and then I suppose film, I guess going off on that, uh, I suppose, sort of fantasy uh, kind of tip, maybe it's probably a product of of the time, I, I, you know, I would never tire of Blade Runner, I'm afraid. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> what, a film. Gonna, what a film. Yeah. Never going to tire of it. I know it's indulgent. Yeah. It's kind of like the tail end of prog rock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, uh, it was a, it's a phenomenal film for its time and it still stands up today, doesn't it? So. Yeah. I mean, I was listening, you know, I was listening to the soundtrack yesterday. <laughs> you know, I don't mind a bit of Vangelis. But um, oh, but music-wise, that's a real toughie. Isn't it? I'm yeah. going to say it's going to be easy. Um, I don't, I don't know if I can answer that. Oh come on, you got just pick one. What, what, what do you listen to today? Actually, I haven't listened to anything. Um, is it not? There must be. Nina Simone. You know, I like a Nina Simone album. Oh, top man. I love it. I'll let you have that. Normally I'm a bit more specific, but Nina Simone's cool. So we'll have that. I did this uh, is to any 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 album by <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You're a fascinating guy. So thank you. All right, mate. Brilliant. Thank you for having me along. It's been a pleasure.